Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Also on Dash Radio five days a week. That's the Nothing But Net channel. So download the Dash Radio app. If you're not hearing us there right now and check out the nothing but net channel we're there every day, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 to 8 a.m. Pacific. Also check out five reasons That is our all free website. We're going to be adding more and more content there, but you can already get all of our podcasts, including five on the floor, three yards per carry balls, cast five rings, canes, light skinned opinions, Shula Bowl podcast, and more. Also our YouTube channel. We did something tonight. We're going to talk to you a little bit more about, uh, we did a live stream. We did it for an hour tonight. I'm not sure we'll do that all the time, but because it was the first scrimmage. So definitely subscribe to the YouTube, 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 YouTube channel. So we're not doing this in vain. Check us out there. Also, all the new shows on the network, including Loaded Bases covering the Marlins and 90 Minutes Strong covering the winless inner Miami team. Also, check out our sponsors, including Biscayne Bay Brewing, the official craft beer of inner Miami, the Miami Marlins, and Five Reasons Sports. This is South Florida's actual independent brewery. Biscayne Bay is owned by local guys who employ people in this community to make their beer right here in South Florida. These guys are committed to our community and support Five Reasons Sports so we can keep bringing you all the local sports content that you can handle for free. If you care about supporting local business and drinking amazing beer, grab their stuff, whether it's Marlins Lager, Miami Pale Ale, or Tropical Bay IPA at all major retailers throughout South Florida. It is the beer that we're drinking here at Five Reasons Sports. It's Biscayne Bay Brewing. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney. AKA Alf 954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back after the first scrimmage for the Miami Heat. They beat the shorthanded Sacramento Kings tonight. Everybody played uh, for the most part. I don't think Casey Akpala got in. Um, and some of the other guys at the back end of the bench. Obviously, no Kendrick Nunn, no Bam Adebayo yet. Tonight's floor plan, I've got Greg Sylvander, I've got Alphonse Sidney, and I've got Alex Toledo for a minute. But, Alex, we are going to free you to go because the Heat are hosting these Zoom calls, these post-game Zoom calls, Eric Spolstra and a couple of players. So, Alex, hello. Hello. He's already said goodbye. He's already said goodbye. He's already departed. All right. I thought the Zoom I, I, call started, man. A- Alex is a journalist, bro. He has no time for your nonsense. That's that's a good point. He is a journalist. That's the voice of Alphonse Sidney. He is not a journalist. Uh, also, God. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So, am I allowed to cheer now? Because I'm not. You a journalist? can. I mean, you're allowed to. I mean, they have Heat fans cheering on Zoom uh, in, <laughs> in the arena. So we should just. It's just be. Wait, Alex. wait, wait. Okay. Honestly. Okay. I'm sorry. Before you introduce the uh, third. Uh, member of our tri- our triumvirate. Uh-huh. Um, did Alex really think the f- 
the fans in the stands were on a Zoom call? Oh yeah, no, no, no. He did. No, he did. He did. He did. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that on. No, the, we were we were talking about it on the stream. He thought that they were literally <laughs> zooming them in live. I don't know from where. I mean, it's no, no social distancing taking no place. No social distancing. <laughs> no social distancing. Just, I mean, right. I mean, yeah, the Heat are going to do that, right? They've got them all congregating uh, at a sports grill somewhere. Yeah, just 500 Heat fans in red shirts just I know. right next to each other. I, I know. You, you Bring know out I was... the T-shirt cannons. <laughs> oh, no, it's great. It's, yeah, it's just, Mr. It's, Bill uh, was there just handing out T-shirt cannons. Uptown, uptown Dale. We had DJ Iree. Uh, yeah, who else? <laughs> Honestly, I need Alex to come on just so I can make fun of him for even thinking that that was a fake. Not to like, like I, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm religious. I go to church, so... On Sundays, I do um, Zoom church or digital church, whatever you want to call it, on YouTube. And they do have people behind the pastor from their homes on Zoom calls. But it's like one person in a room. I know. I no, this is like 30 people crammed against each other. <laughs> I always thought there was 500 people in a room with a professional camera panning back and forth on a Zoom call. Like, he really thought that. No, he did. He he did think that. That's that's, that, that's the shooting background that Goran Dragic was shooting into. Was uh, <laughs> was all these people? Come, I mean, I think they should just have Alf. Just you're shooting into Alf. Just Alf screaming uh, and all the rest of this. I mean, Heat Heat players have had to shoot all the time with uh, certain Heat uh, press members cheering in the press box at the time or, or or pounding the table. So shouldn't be too different. But yes, Alex had that wrong. We did this no, on the he stream. Ki- he kicks the table underneath. He kicks the table underneath. Yeah. All right. Anyway, the third. Can I? Can I please introduce Greg? I'm sorry. We've got, we've got Greg Sylvander here. He's with us as well. So it's me, Alf, and Greg tonight. Floor plan. We're gonna do uh, basically four different things on this episode. Uh, first thing is we're gonna go through all the players who played, or at least the important ones. Second thing, we've got the uh, another guts check, uh, which Greg's gonna do. We've got the first ever Alf's eye test, and then we're going to get, I guess we're going to call it the first wet blanket. Um, we're going to bring on Tropical Blanket here, uh, Alex, to talk about what he gets out of these Zoom calls, as Eric Spolster just wants to go to his bed in his hotel, and Alex is going to be asking about the 2-3 zone and, uh, and, the, and the switching defense. A- Alex like stumped Eric with a question the other day, and Eric was like, where do you guys get this stuff? Which is why we, we send Alex on these calls, because it's, it's a lot better than the, the hack stuff that they get from a lot of the beat guys sometimes all right let's get to uh tonight and the players and and i want to do this from a player perspective because i think it's an overall team perspective i think it's pretty fair to say that the heat accomplished what they wanted to accomplish tonight um the ball popped early in the game they got it to their three-point shooters they don't have a lot of guys who could get to the line but they that's that picked up as the game went on defensively they don't have bam so it's going to look a little bit different Eric played a lot of different combinations. The first thing that was sort of notable was that the two starters in place of Bam and Nunn were Dragic and DJJ. That was in part so they could get Goran some minutes and not play him in the second half. Uh, Jimmy didn't play in the second half. DJJ got some minutes, and then he played a lot with Crowder and Iguodala, which is something we've talked about a little bit before. But I thought overall, and we'll get to the players in a second, but quickly, overall, Greg... A positive tonight, right? 100%. I mean, like a lot of the things that I was looking at specifically had to do with um, offense and like the things that aren't necessarily predicated on who's in the game and who 
um, they're playing against. So like crisp passes, ball movement, guys um, being able to, you know, get up off the ground and get up and down the floor, that kind of stuff. And for the most part, it was all there. There were some sloppy moments, particularly at the beginning of the game, but ultimately um, Duncan Robinson was unconscious, you know, shooting 63%, picking up right where he left off from three. Um, you, you got all kinds of different um, positive things coming from Goran here and there. Andre Iguodala, Kelly Olynyk ended up rounding out and having a really good game. And Jimmy was Jimmy for the most part. So uh, I think you walk away from this feeling pretty good. Defensively, Alf, we've talked a lot about the defense. Um, uh, you know, I mean, they're playing a Sacramento team that doesn't have its engine, which is De'Aaron Fox. I, th- I saw someone comment on Twitter that the Kings – uh, you know, they don't have Bagley either. The Kings are kind of like a team of, like, fifth starters and, you know, pretty decent role guys who would be good on a good team but have no one – like, there's nothing for them to sign a circle around. There's no star. So they're they're kind of all sort of out. Like, I forgot Jabari Parker is still in the league, to be honest, and he was the number two overall pick. So I, I don't know what we make of it, but overall, were you okay with their defense tonight, the Heat's defense? I don't mean to seem like a Debbie Downer, but I was not. Um the, the 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 starting lineup, even without Bam and Nunn, was just so overwhelming offensively that it kind of made up for the fact that defensively they weren't that great. Um, you just you just had a team that in in the Kings that really couldn't attack their weaknesses. And then over the course of the game, as the second units came in, you started to see uh, the Kings uh, consistently come back. So I understand that the Heat were not you know even without. Uh, 40% of their starting lineup. They still went up into halftime up 12. There's still, to me, there were some concerns defensively. Um, you had a guy, I don't even want to pronounce his name, Belika, Beluka, Beluka Whale, whatever his name was, um, doing things in the paint against the heat. That by, he by, no, I, have to, I have to stop you because Alex was giving me a hard time about this. You went with Beluka. It's like Bazooka. I went with Bajelica. It's Bielika, right? What is it? What is I think, it? Whatever. Leif, what is it? Bialika? Uh, no comment. <laughs> whatever. I want to call him Beluka I'm, I'm Whale. I've gotten trapped with this recently. I'm not getting trapped again. <laughs> I, Beluka Whale. I'm going to call him Beluka Whale because that's funnier. Um, he was doing things in the paint that should not be done against a playoff team, um, which, which bothered me. But for the most part, uh, the defense held up. But like you said, they weren't playing against De'Aaron Fox. So I don't know how to judge it because they didn't have Bam, which is their best offensive player, and the other team didn't have their best offensive player. So defensively, it's really hard for me to uh, grade what they did tonight. But I, I will say I was underwhelmed by what I saw defensively, given the fact that they've been in the bubble for how many weeks now. And I, I felt there could have been a better showing. Well, here, there was one sequence I pointed out when we were on the stream that to me speaks to what they're missing right now. So I'm not going to argue about the point of attack defense, but I mean, what are we expecting from Goron there, right? Like, I mean, we kind of know what that is and we're we're all sort of anticipating that Kendrick Nunn will pick that up a little bit because I think he has the ability to, you know, when he gets back. But there was one sequence where Iguodala and Crowder were switching everything and they were just making life miserable for the Kings on the perimeter. But it was one or two passes, and I, I, I forgot who, who finished, but one of their bigs finished because there was no protection behind them. 
because Olenek right over Kelly, right over Kelly, because it was Kelly, right over Kelly, right, exactly. Okay, there was no resistance behind him, and all I'm saying is I'm not saying Bam is an elite shot blocker like Hassan was because he's not, but but he is a a last line of defense for them, And, and so I think it's a little it's hard to evaluate them. That's why I'm watching their offense more. I, I think having not having Bam and not having none, but particularly not having Bam, doesn't affect their offense as much because they're still going to try to do the same kind of things. But it affects them defensively tremendously. And so I, I, I'm not going to get concerned about their defense again until I see them with Bam. And I don't know if he's going to play in the next two scrimmages, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't read into it too much. I thought it was interesting that Eric's playing a lot of their defenders together to try to mitigate it um, and to look at some of those lineups. And he clearly is looking at these combinations, but I wouldn't overread the defense. I, I, I agree with you. It wasn't great. Um, it's not a great team they're playing. Buddy Heald started to get off a little bit. Um, I thought Tyler competed again defensively, but there's still sometimes he's not in the right place. But, but I, I do think that, that there is going to be some improvement there when Bam gets back. Let's go through some players. And, and then, like I said, we're, we're, Alex is kind of waiting on the Heat Zoom calls now, so he's going to have some stuff. He's got Jimmy Butler on a call right now. Um, the first player I want to focus on tonight, though, is Andre Iguodala because I, you started to see some things tonight that are leading me – to making him more of an option as a closer for this team. And, and one of the things that I've repeated this so many times that Greg's probably sick of hearing it, but I, I think that when I was watching DJJ, you know, Crowder and Andre on the court together in particular, but you know, a couple, all three of those guys were ready to launch from three tonight. And to me, the one who makes the threes consistently, particularly from the corner is the one who's going to close because they all provide something defensively. But ultimately, Eric's going to have to pair that threesome down to one to play down the stretch with Bam, Jimmy, Hero, and Duncan. It's going to be one of them. It's not going to be three of them. It's going to be one of them. And, and you know, you saw DJJ make a three straight away. Jay made a late three. But Andre from the corner, that was his money shot in Golden State. Okay, that was the guy that other teams decided to leave open because you couldn't leave Curry and Clay open. Couldn't leave Durant open, so you're going to leave Andre open, and he made teams pay a lot with that. But the other thing that Greg mentioned was he was initiating offense tonight. Um, his intelligence was starting to come across in terms of it looks like he understands the system now because he's had time to digest it. I mean, Greg, are we seeing a guy who could be much more important for them than he looked in March? I mean, when you heard Spo talk about uh, how Andre looked like a, com- maybe not, I'm paraphrasing here, but like a completely different player when they have arrived in Orlando in the bubble and that, uh, you know, he was one of the bright spots. Uh, you know, initially, you don't know how much of that is just uh, getting, you know, your new guys uh, as much confidence as possible. Not that Andre Iguodala, you know, a seasoned vet needs to be reinforced in that way, but you want to give, the, you know, these guys their due uh, in the with the media. But tonight, I mean, to see him come out and they immediately put the ball in his hands. I think like the first possession he was in the game, he brought the ball up Um, and they started to do more and more of that. He, um, you know, shot two of five from three. So I feel like that's, you know, that's trending in the direction that you want from him. And then you saw him do what you want. Exactly. I mean, so, so like he, those things and the fact that he uh, started to, 
cover more ground on defense, which I mean, obviously the defense wasn't great. Sacramento shooting 51%, 39% from three. So none of that stuff looks great. But when you just looked at some of the rotations and him kind of just starting to figure things out, if there was a guy who today separated himself in any capacity from a rotation perspective, I feel like Andre Iguodala did that. And that's a really uh, key point because I think that there – there was a little bit of doubt when the season ended how much Andre Iguodala was really going to factor in because he he just looked rusty. And uh, so to see him kind of start to turn that around, I think is a, a really positive thing because that really could end up being the uh, the key piece of that trade. Um, we're going to let Alex back in here because he just got off the calls. All right, so no Spo. You weren't able to get Spo, but you were able to get a question in for Jimmy and for Goron. We'll get back to the player discussion in a second. A lot of this stuff is going to be a lot more free-flowing than you're used to hearing from us because we're, we're trying to incorporate a lot. In fact, our guy Brady Hawk is putting a story right now on 5reasonsports.com. Our, our wonder kid uh, is putting something up there. So we're just going to be giving you a lot of content off of these games. Alex, what were the takeaways from, uh, from the Zoom calls? Well, honestly, I got to see about six, seven minutes combined of Jimmy and Goron, and they were pretty much just raving about the ball movement and the team shooting. They were both talking about how excited they were and the guys were to be back on the floor. Other than that, I asked him a question about how he feels about Tyler Hero on the ball because he got a lot of those reps tonight, and he, he, he was absolutely raving about Tyler. He said he can do that. He can score. He can handle. He can defend. He said he doesn't really play like a rookie and said that he knew he could handle it because of all the film that he watches and, and, you know, the way, the stuff that he sees behind the scenes. And, and, you know, they've been playing a lot of one-on-one together, apparently, according to the Heat social media. But, yeah. Well, I think that, you know, when Jimmy was – I think I asked Jimmy um, his last call what he was looking to get out of the scrimmage, and he said he wanted to see if they were still playing for each other. And so I think that's the focus on the ball movement. And, and it was great early. I mean, that was, that was the thing. I know, Alf, you know Alex, you, you left before Alf talked about this, but wasn't as thrilled with the defense tonight. But the ball movement at the beginning of the game, to me, looked like December. I mean, it looked like before things started it was, to stick It was a crisp. It was seamless. It yeah. was um, – I, I, do, I do wish they would attack the rim a little bit more. Um, and then they started to do that in the second quarter. And you started to see that it started to yield uh, some results and also started to open up the three-point line even more and started to open up the shooting even more. Um, but you can't, <laughs> what, you can't argue with the results of Jimmy driving to the basket, getting double teamed, and Duncan Robinson being open for three. Like, I don't know who did the King scouting report, but that person should be fired immediately. <laughs> like, it's just it's stupid. I, I, I don't even understand how you can, you can do that in uh, July 2020, leave leave Duncan Robinson to double team Jimmy in the paint. It just doesn't make sense. But teams are still doing it, and they, and they they took advantage of it, and that's and that's what's important. They but, didn't but the even other- have to, they didn't even have to deal with the Bam Duncan dri- dribble handoff. So like that, it's just yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, what were they doing? <laughs> you know, it's it's just wild. But. Um, I do have an eye test. You guys ready for the eye test? You I mean, should we get to that now? You know what? You know what? Before we get to the rest of the players, the people have been waiting on this. Uh, you know, I, 
for months. I mean, months. They've been saying, when is Alf going to do his first eye test? And hey, there that's were no been games. mostly me, Ethan. I've just been emailing you from different accounts. Well, but. well, it, it probably was all it probably was all your burners, but it is the only reason that Adam Silver brought the NBA back. It wasn't the money. <laughs> it wasn't to break people together. He was it tired was, of PER. He wanted a real. He wanted fat. an eye test. He want, all right. So do we have? Do we actually have Alex? Do we actually have sound for this thing? We do, right? We have sound for this thing. Um, all right, so we we're, do. All right, so we're going to introduce that right now. This is Alf's first eye test. Tired of PER, EFG, QBR, PDQ, and QVC? Wait, what? Well, ditch the calculators and spreadsheets and check out the only stat that truly matters. It's time for Alf's eye test. Okay, guys, so what I noticed today just off eye test alone. I didn't look at the stats because I don't even know where you find stats for a scrimmage. Like I was actually looking for Andre Godala's numbers on ESPN.com and could not find them. So <laughs> I have no idea where to find stats for this stuff. But what I did notice today, and it's something that we kind of talked about in our private chats recently, and we talked about in the last episode, is the lack of respect and lack of acknowledgement of what Kedrick Nunn has brought to this team. And what I noticed today, I test alone, is that if the Heat go any stretch of time in the playoffs without Kendrick Nunn or Goran Dragic, you're in deep, deep, deep trouble. Because those are two of don't two of maybe three guys on this team that create their own offense consistently. I'm not saying that uh, Bam can't create his own offense. I'm not saying that Tyler Hero can't create his own offense. Andre Godala, Jay Crowder, all these guys can do it, but there are three guys on this team that create their own offense consistently, and that's Jimmy Butler, Goran Dragic, and Kendrick Nunn. And tonight, without Kendrick Nunn, what you saw was a second unit without Goran Dragic that looked really, really inept at times. That in the half court could not get anything going. And that's when they went from a 12-point lead down to a one-point lead, and then Jimmy Butler would come back in, and it's back to a 10-point lead, then they go down to a four-point lead. The consistency of the offense, it, it relies mostly on ball movement, but what happens when that ball movement either breaks down or gets figured out, they need guys that can create off the dribble. And without Kendrick Nunn as a starter, and as much as I've, as I've pounded on Kendrick Nunn all year long about his defense, about his decision-making, tonight was glaringly obvious that without Kendrick Nunn as a starter and, and Goran Dragic leading that second unit, the Heat might be in trouble offensively uh, when, without either of those two guys on the court. I, I think what you saw uh, would be – playing out statistically too if there were actual statistics <laughs> so so i i don't think this is one that would go counter to the stat heads um they're not going to be good offensively if they don't have either of those guys on the floor they're, they're just not they, they don't have i mean goron is a one and a half i mean he's not really a traditional point guard either but he's the closest thing they have and i think none you know, I thought he was a point guard in summer league. I mean, Alex, you were out there with me. Like, he looked like a point guard, right? Playing with Hero? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was, him and Hero were definitely the two on-ball guards, and he was taking the brunt of the, the on-ball load there for sure in summer league. But he, but in, but once the season started, maybe it was because, you know, Jimmy took such the, ah. took the burden here. I mean, he doesn't really 
play like a point guard either, but again, he's closer than anything else they have in the yeah. first unit. Well, so, and the, the, the other thing is this, is that like um, the difference between even Kendrick Nunn and Goran Dragic is that Kendrick Nunn will drive to the hoop and if he gets a full head of steam can, you know, dunk on JaVale McGee. Goran Dragic can't do that. And so there's just a limited amount of guys that off the dribble can get to the basket, rise up and throw one down. And I know that that's like a very simplistic way to look at this, but like that kind of encapsulates the fact, like Tyler Hero doesn't go and do that. So like there's just a certain element of being able to attack the rim the way that Kendrick Nunn does uh, that I think that this team is going to absolutely need. So I think Alf's eye test will have um, really good points per possession and a great net rating. But Leif, <laughs> please do not apply that witchcraft to my eye test. Uh, <laughs> but but do you remember how Chris Bosh and uh, I think um, Spo used to call it relief points, where there was just a point in the – in the offense in the half court where you could get it to Chris Bosch at the elbow and he would get you points, right? Whether he took somebody, it took a big off the dribble that couldn't hang with him, or he would just step back with a, with, with the little lefty jumper and he would get you points. Yeah. Um, Release foul. Yeah. Uh, Kendrick Nunn provides that a lot of times where the, the, the first, the second, the third action does not yield results. Kendrick Nunn will just take the ball and he will make something happen with it. Even if he misses and you get an offensive rebound or something happens. But what I was seeing a lot that it was, it was three point or nothing. Um, especially when Goran went out of the game. So it's not my, my eye test tonight isn't just about how important Kendrick Nunn is. My, my eye test is, is about the fact that Kendrick Nunn allows Goran Dragic to lead that second unit, which allows the first unit to overwhelm teams and the second unit to even further overwhelm teams without both of them working in tandem. This heat offense is missing an element um, that, that can't be duplicated by anybody else on the roster, not even Jimmy because Jimmy takes a while to get going. Well, I think the other thing uh, to look at is that Spolster started playing Nunn and Dragic together a little bit more as the season went on. And, I, this I think we would need more than your eye test, Alf, because I remember looking at the numbers, and it was one of their worst two man combinations. Was Nun Dragic together, yep. right? It did did that hold? Terrible. Did that hold up the whole year though? Because I felt like they he he started playing them more together, like February March, and I feel like they had a couple of good stints together, but typically it didn't. They don't. I don't know. They always look like they've never played together before. Like you could tell with Goran if he has chemistry with somebody and it just never looked like he and Kendrick had any chemistry. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I remember Goran Dragic and the chemistry stuff with Hassan Whiteside because he just didn't throw alley-oops. He was used to bounce passes. So there's definitely, um, you know, that went both ways, Greg, because Hassan and Goran couldn't stand the fact that Hassan could not set a proper screen. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just the bounce pass. Remember that he, he wouldn't set the screen at the right angle for Goran. He would barely set the screen at all. Like Hassan would run towards the rim three minutes before Goran got there. Like, look, man, it wasn't even close. It wasn't about angles. I think that probably Spo was trying Ken 
Kendrick and Gorin together more because um, he was getting to the point where you have to really narrow down what actually will work and what won't. So they, you have to start to run that for some you know period of time as you got towards the playoffs. And obviously they all got blown up. So um, Yeah, Leif, it's like it's either play them together or play each of them 24 minutes. You know what I mean? It was – uh, you have to either you tr- that I think they need one of those guys on the floor at all times. Yeah, so you, splitting those minutes at that spot for sure. Yeah, you want to try to figure out if you could play them together so that you're not just completely spend- splitting the minutes. But those two um, at your guard position, I mean, you got to be playing a really weak guard team to have those two guys out there defensively. It's just. It's not going to do. It's 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 not going to yield great results. But in in a perfect world, Alf, and, and this gets to a deeper discussion about their future. In a perfect world, they're both six men, right? Like, yeah. I mean, Gor- yeah. Goran's Goran's correct role now is a six man. I mean, he started tonight because there was no Kendrick. I think Kendrick's future in this league could be an elite six man. Okay, I mean, I I think that suits him best. He can play both spots, creates instant offense, uh, is not at this stage a plus defender, doesn't have great size, but has enough size that you can put him on a couple of different people. I mean, that to me is, and I think that is, again, when we look at the Heat's future and who they keep and who they don't keep, if you're making a decision to keep Goran Dragic because of everything he's done for the organization and, you st- and, and his professionalism and you still think you can get a couple more good years out of him and he wants Kendrick. to be here, then really Kendrick Nunn, I mean, that's one of the reasons we've talked about Kendrick Nunn, even though he's been a great surprise, as being maybe a little bit st- superfluous for them because he's not a true point guard. And, you know, as a two, he leaves you a little undersized and there's some point of attack problems. And and he really should be a six man, but that role on this team is filled, right? Yeah. I mean, I, so that's how he, it looks to me. He looks like he'll be um, probably a, a dynamic starting guard for the Indiana Pacers, right? <laughs> they're right? so they're they're both more Lou Williams than they are Mario Chalmers or Derek Fisher or anything like that. Like they're not they're not these guys who will um, you know who will sacrifice their offensive game and just be that defensive point-of-attack guy that's just going to do what he has to do, stand by the three-point line and every once in a while, like, create off the dribble uh, uh, as a to a couple of superstars. Well, I think he could kind of play a similar – I think he could play that type of role if he wanted to, but at the end of the day, I think he's more effective in the role that they've been using him this season where he's the off-ball guard – and he's coming off of screens, you know, he's pulling up when guys drop on the screen. I mean, he's a great pull-up artist. That's kind of something that mm-hmm. we don't really mention as much. He's very good at attacking the basket. Uh, it's not his best thing, but he's pretty good at it. But the, the pull-up game to me is the most important thing because, again, we're going to keep saying this as, as far as the playoffs go, as far as the Heat go in the playoffs, they're going to need those pull-up shooters, and none is absolutely one of them, and he's the only one in the starting lineup. I do no, want to say that I lost a spelling bee in sixth grade with the word superfluous. So wow. uh, Ethan bringing that up right now is like there's a dark. Yeah, that sad one's, that's not Bajelica or whatever his name is or Bazooka. <laughs> that's I mean it's superfluous. I was in sixth grade and they hit me with superfluous. No, I mean it's just superfluous. I forgot the second. That's I all. I mean, that's not. I, mean, I forgot the on. second U. Like I in Miami. I forgot the second U. They in Miami is superfluous. Cor- they, they hit you with that in Coral Springs. Oh, yeah. Listen, I was a spelling bee champion every year except for – actually, I can't uh, give the girl's name that used to beat me all the time. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, is, that for, is that for legal reasons, Alf, or <laughs> no, you just can't remember? It's honestly, it'll sound, it'll sound kind of, um, it'll, it'll, it will sound very wrong if I give her name. Um, <laughs> she, this, this, uh, yeah, it's not gonna, it's not gonna sound, it's not gonna sound, uh, 2020, um, politically correct. So Casey Akpala didn't play. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. <laughs> How do you spell like Paula Alf? This is why we don't do the late night pods. Okay, right, we're gonna get to a. You know what? Forget it. We're getting to a sponsor. We're coming back. We're gonna do the rest of the team, and we're gonna get to uh, we're gonna get to something a little bit more above board. We're gonna do a guts check, also. Uh, but first, another word from another of our great sponsors. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on five on the floor again. You can catch us on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio every day from ten a.m. to eleven a.m. Obviously, you can always also catch us on all your other podcast uh, platforms. So we, we realized this week that we're like 85% Apple, and, and I'm going to blame Alf for this because he, he's the only – Alf, you're the only one of us that is a uh, – as an Android. The world is 85% Apple. And, okay, even if they're not, let's say it's 60-40, the 40% that are on Android like me don't listen to podcasts. Like, we listen to terrestrial radio. <laughs> we still have cable. <laughs> like we, what else? We, what else? We rush home to watch live events. Like, what, you, what, what music do you guys listen to? We listen to '90s hip hop. Like we're very excited <laughs> for the DMX Snoop Dogg battle. On I was listening to John Cougar Mellencamp. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot ooh. of Dave Matthews Band in this. Uh, day, yeah, in this. it is a lot of Dave Matthews Band. That's what it, that's what it'll be. Uh, why why is it that people? I don't understand why do people with Android? Is it just because the the podcast platform is garbage? The the Google podcast platform? No, the podcast platforms on. On, on Android are great. I use Podbean and Spotify, and well, I mean, yeah, but those, those are cross, right? Those, those are exactly. Cross. So it's not there's not this big difference. Like, oh my god, I, I have to you know be a computer hacker to figure out how to use uh how to listen to a podcast on Android. Shit, and listen, Apple Podcast is not great. 
Yeah, the the problem is the people that have Androids don't understand what podcasts are. It's it's not it's not the apps or the platforms. It's just the fact that we are like what on demand radio. No, I have I want no parts of that. Like I want my radio. Sense. I want Zaslow in the morning. Like that's what I want, whether whether it's good or not. All right, this is taking a bad turn. I, I don't, I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't understand why Android people can't figure out it down. You know what? If you're if you're an Android listener to Five on the Floor, send me a tweet. And once you hear this, at Five Reason Sports on Twitter, because I'm assuming you Android people can also use Twitter, though maybe you can't. Maybe you everybody I'm interacting it. with, and and tell tell me how it is we can make it easier for Android people because. I, I, one of the things I do is because I have an iPhone and I would have no idea how to work an Android is I always tweet out the link to the to iTunes. But Ethan, I you should don't know be, how to use an iPhone, so let's well, just, that's a good point too. Especially let's make the camera. That clear. But but I should be tweeting out Spotify because that's that can work on both. So you can check us out on Spotify or Podbean. All right, we're gonna get to a guts check in a second. Uh, before we do, I want to go through some more players. We talked a little about Iguodala. Um, I did notice one thing with Jimmy tonight. He was gassed, okay? Like, five minutes in, I, he had that end-to-end rush, and there were a couple other things. One is, he's still making too many passes. There were a couple of times he, it was questionable. He was kind of one-on-one, one-on-two on the break, and he decides to pass it out, and it leads to a bad result. Um, I just want him to go to the basket and finish once instead of, always looking to be Mr. Unselfish and get somebody else involved. And then there was one sequence. It was a full court sequence of some kind. I can't remember the exact circumstances, but after it, when he went to the bench, he looked like he couldn't take anymore at that point. So I think as Poor good guy shape misses as Bam so much. Right. Oh my God. And right. And that's the thing. Like as, as good a shape as he's gotten himself in, I think it shows you when Jimmy needs a little bit more time, it's going to take a couple weeks for everybody to get their win. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't think we should overreact necessarily to like Jimmy Butler looking winded because there were moments early on in every season almost where Dwayne looked a little winded and then all of a sudden he would turn it on because it's kind of like muscle memory at some point. But um, definitely there were moments where he kind of looked uh, like he wanted to get others involved, but knew he should probably be more aggressive and just kind of that hesitation and thinking a little bit too much. But ultimately, um, whereas he started out not necessarily getting to the free throw line. Eventually he got there, went five for five. So, so you see that there's still the remnants of the Jimmy that we're, that, you know, we're used to seeing and, and ultimately he'll get there. Alex, any concerns? No, I mean, I already uh, said it before, but I'm not really worried about him being winded. I think he just had to take on a really large playmaking load and scoring load without Bam there. I mean, you want to talk about the dribble handoff stuff with Bam and Duncan Robinson. That's easily their most, Go to action, and they run it at the top of the, the top of the key. Like I think half the time, so I feel like Jimmy's blow definitely. Like if we were to look at the numbers, it would have multiplied than than what it usually has been with the Heat. I'm not really too concerned about that. I think that you know this game action, this five on five game action, without after three three and a half months without playing, I think it's gonna get get them some time to you know one other get their thing back, is like Leif said. If he knew he was only going to play 11 minutes, the other thing that could happen is is that if you know you're out. going a short stint, you go all out. And maybe in those first few minutes, you kind of get a little ahead of yourself from sprinting up and down and stuff like that. So that could have played into it, too, if he knew that his minutes were going to be so limited. And, and, and they told him beforehand that it would be. I mean, Eric made it clear. Defensively, he was more than solid. Like he was, yeah. 
they were good. That starting lineup was really good defensively. Like every time I felt like the Kings scored, it was like I was almost surprised that they scored because the the, the defense was pretty stout. Um, Myers looked good, which was which is a good sign. Um, but yeah, but as far as Jimmy's concerned, yeah, Jimmy looked Jimmy looked good. Um, like you said, he started getting to the free throw line. I feel like if that game had gone four quarters um, and they played. They play their guys uh, real minutes. That would have been a blowout. Yeah. You mentioned My- you mentioned so. Myers Leonard. I, I want to get to Myers next because I, I don't want to overlook this. I mean, this was a guy who was not playing when the season was suspended, and now he is. Uh, to me, he looked the same as he looked before. I mean, they, they, he's been pretty clear that his ankle has held up okay, but he also said because of COVID, he didn't want to invite just anybody to his house. He had to do a lot of the work on his own. He looks 100% to me, I think, to be in, in that role. Um, you know, Kelly had some moments, but I, I think, you know, again, I, Kelly's not giving you the rim protection and the stout defense. It, it's really more about what he's giving you on offense. But the other one I want to talk about, let, let's get into Tyler Hero a little bit because um, the ball was in his hands a ton because they had no none, because Dragic's minutes were limited tonight, I, I thought there were some good things. I think one of the things, I don't know if it was Greg or Alex who mentioned about his ability to create space, which it looks like he's worked on that even more. Um, what did you think, What did you think, Alex, of Tyler tonight? I mean, I honestly really liked what I saw. He, he got off to, to not a great start shooting-wise, and I think that's kind of predictable since Hero was never really asked to do a lot of on-ball stuff during the season. You know, there was a lot of him coming off of curls and screens like Duncan. And we know he does more on-ball stuff than Duncan once he does get the ball. But he was really – I mean, him and Iguodala were taking turns bringing the ball up, and he was really setting up offense, which is not his most. You know, that's him not at his best. And, again, I don't blame Spall for that, obviously, with, uh, you know, with Nunn and Bam out. Those are two guys who really handle the ball a lot. So I think they kind of had to do some stuff like this. And I really don't mind Hero getting those looks whatsoever. I, in fact, I like it a lot, and I liked what I saw out of him. I just think he does a great job of being able to keep his dribble alive and create space and shake guys off, even when it seems like it's tight. And once he does, like, get around the rim. He's not a great finisher, but he can really, like, get different types of looks up, with, whether it's the floater. He had that one leaning jumper, like, 10 feet away from the basket, and he has those types of shots that, you know, require a lot of balance. And, like, things like that are why I'm so just high on him potentially, you know, going forward. It's just the guy can get to his shot in so many different ways and so many different looks. And I really want to see more out of it. I mean, I liked seeing him get those reps initiating offense. I mean, why not? It's a scrimmage. And obviously they're undermanned in, you know, certain ways. So there's definitely the opportunity for him to do that. People are going to overreact to the shooting. And, and that's obviously um, a big part of why Tyler Hero is so enticing as a, as a basketball player. But um, the other thing, like, he's still got six rebounds. And this is something that, like, when we talk about guys being able to contribute and do other things when they're not shooting well, I think that that's another indicator of something that kind of shows that he can be a more complete player than maybe he's advertised as. So, I mean, ultimately, I feel like the shooting is going to come particularly as the games get more intense. I feel like as things get chippy and people are in his ear talking trash, that's when he kind of turns it on a little bit more. So I had no concerns. Um, Ultimately, those shooting was kind of a a tough scene. Zero of seven from three is never fun. Alf, the one question I have about Tyler Hero is – 
and some of the other young guys, when none comes back, I mean, Duncan, I think at this point has earned every minute and he's going to get every bit of trust from Eric. Um, Cause it's just clear how much better he makes them. But this thing changed, I think in the bubble from where it was before the bubble. I don't think this is a team or an organization that really felt they had contending aspirations this year, even though, uh, they got off to the really hot start and were playing so well at home. As we've talked about, they, they were a year ahead of schedule. Um, you know, a lot of this was not supposed to come together this quickly. You know, Jimmy is still the piece to get them the next piece. You didn't know how Nunn and Robinson and Hero were going to play DJJ, you know, in these circumstances. But as I've said repeatedly, I think the bubble has flattened things now where now the Heat feel they have certain advantages over other organizations because they are cocky about their coaching staff. Okay, they don't say it, but they are. They are cocky about what their organization represents and their quote unquote culture. Um, And and they also, I think, know some of the things. Let's put When I've been talking about Milwaukee coming back to the pack, some of the things are happening. I haven't gotten any pushback from the Heat organization. I think they think they have a chance now. I think they think they have a chance. Like maybe they don't think they're going to be champions, but they definitely think they can compete in this thing. And they, and as Greg's talked about, they've come here to win. Does that change the equation with somebody like Tyler hero? Because if he has some Oh, for seven, three point games and they're going for it this year, does, does he have to be pushed to the side occasionally because no, okay, we, we can't wait on you. You don't agree with that. I, that was my question. He he, first, because they're not, they're not winning any, anything significant without him. And not, not, not to say that he's uh, one, he, he is an important cog in the machine, but it's because of the fact that he makes a second unit dangerous. And I think what you saw a lot out of Tyler tonight is that he's not as comfortable when there's no Goran and there's no Jimmy out there with him. Uh, when you have those guys out there with Tyler, I feel like he gets more comfortable. He gets to do what he does best. But you're asking him to run the second unit off of how many months of rust. And I'm not, we're not talking about the five months of rust everybody else has. We're talking about more than that because he was injured uh, even before the, uh, the suspension of the season. So you're talking, you're you're saying a guy that's seven, eight months this has not been playing uh, NBA basketball, coming out of college. He's 19 years old, 20 years old, whatever he is. Um, he's been doing a lot in uh, his extracurricular time, and he just doesn't have. Uh, you, you're asking him to run an offense, and and Leif is right. It w- it's a, it's a time to put his feet to the fire and throw him out there during exhibitions and scrimmages, and that's fine, but. For us to think that he's going to look um, look 100%, I think we're kind of fooling ourselves. Fooling ourselves, and he did a lot of good things, but he looked rusty, and he's going to look rusty. But for the Heat to be contenders, you need a second unit when where Tyler Hero is firing on all cylinders, because a second unit of Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, Derek Jones Jr., all these uh, Kelly Olynyk playing at a high level is what makes you a championship contender. These guys not playing at the highest level and you're trying to hide any one of these guys or uh, limiting these guys minutes because they're rusty is you're, you're not a championship team. I'm with you on all that. I just wonder the deeper they get into this, that that's all I I'm wondering if the mentality will change in terms of the way that the coaches, but it shouldn't. It really no, shouldn't. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying, okay, I, I'm with you. Maybe it shouldn't. I just wonder if it will. I, I, wa- I wonder if 
if, if they see a real opportunity to go somewhere this year, you know, when we had Stan on the podcast, okay, we had Stan Van Gundy, and, and he talked about Dwayne, right? And that play, you know, what was his favorite moment from the 0304 season? And he talked about, you know, game one. You know, I remember, I'm, I'm staring at the picture of it. It's in my apartment. Okay, game one, you know, against the Hornets uh, and, you know, the drive to the basket, putting the ball in his hands. And Stan talked about how that came across in another game that I, I forgot that I'd attended, which was Dwayne's first summer league game against LeBron in Orlando, where they put the ball in his hands at the end of that game and where that originated. But it, it came down to Stan at that point on a team that wasn't supposed to go anywhere before the year, right? Sort of like this one, okay? Although that team had less expectations. Getting to that point and saying, okay, I'm going to go with a rookie regardless how he's playing. Because if you look back at the numbers of that game, Dwayne didn't play well, <laughs> but he made that shot. And I'm just curious now what Spolster's mentality is going to be with some of these young guys if – if the Heat think they have a real window this year to do something significant and one of those guys goes through any prolonged struggle. I mean, Greg, do you see any situation where they say, okay, we're going to push you to the side a little bit, play the vets, you'll get more time next year? Absolutely. I think that that is when the playoffs come and you're in a series, if you see that all of a sudden – um, Tyler Hero is not shooting well. And I'm using just him as an example because I, I don't really think it's going to go this way, to be honest. But let's say he's not shooting well and um, he's having a couple turnovers, defensive lapses, and you are seeing that he's being picked on on the other end by the other team, you know, that they're, they're going after him. You're going to have to make tough decisions. And it's not an indictment on his career or what his trajectory is as a player, but all of these rookies at some point, I mean, Dwayne is an exception. And I think that all scenarios cannot be compared to Dwayne Wade in any, um, you know, in any way. But like, I remember Michael Beasley, and I don't want to go to this direction as well, but Michael Beasley got benched in that series against Boston because he couldn't be trusted at the end. And he was the number two pick. So I feel like at some point you have to make those tough decisions. And I, I just don't think it's going to come to that, but I, I totally think it's on the table. I don't see how it could not. I mean, Alex, do you see a scenario where, you know, I keep saying hero is going to be in the closing five, like, because he was getting the most fourth quarter minutes. I think so. But, too. Right, but but uh, but can you see a scenario where it's not and it's Goron in those oh, yeah. situations? No doubt. I, yeah, I definitely don't think it's going to be – like I'm not expecting Hero to be the closer in every game. I mean, I, I if Spo eventually goes that direction, I would not be mad at it at all. I'm, I'm totally about Hero getting those reps, and we've seen him be their most clutch uh, shot maker in that time. But at the same time, I would not be surprised at all. Spo loves Goron. We saw Spo this season before the shutdown leave Goran in for nine, 10 straight minutes, including as a closer. And I'm expecting it to be a rotating cast in the, of closing lineups. And that's, I really think that's how it should be. Like they have all this depth and they have a lot of guys who are kind of similar level players and all have different skills. And I think Spo is really about utilizing guys and just making lineups depending on what he needs in that moment or, you know, who's hot that game, who's, who's feeling it. So I don't, I would not be surprised at all by Goran taking some of those those minutes if Duncan's off or if Hero's off, you know. Let's Duncan look at some of the other guys. Duncan is Duncan's not going to be off. Duncan is Duncan's not going to be off. Gonna be off. I, Goran I, I Dragic just, said he's the best shooter in the, on the planet tonight. I was about to so. say that, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah no, he's not going to be off. I mean, we're, we're just assuming at this point that Duncan's going to make five, six threes a game. I mean, we've got so, – somebody put this question up tonight. Actually, it was – I think it was our Adam Bore who runs our uh, Clutch NBA at 5R account. 
where would it's a little unfair because Duncan's so old. Okay. So I don't know if we should have done it from last year because he's 26. So it's, it's hard to think of him as a rookie, but where would he have gotten drafted last year if he was available in the draft? I think and, first round, because like you look at a guy like Cam Johnson from, from Phoenix who got drafted at 11, he was supposed to go in the twenties and they just picked of him just because he was an elite shooter. And I think if we would have got some, you know, if we would have seen this Duncan Robinson doing all these types of things with hindsight, that Duncan Robinson definitely goes top 20 in the draft. And I'm only saying 20 because of the age and because he's not very athletic. But, but that's, he's a third I, that's best pretty impressive. On a, he's a third best player on a playoff team. Oh, yeah. I so mean, no, he uh, might go uh, higher. I'm just saying, you know, because he was 25 or whatever. In his second year. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but it's like if that's not a top 10 pick, I don't know what it is, what is right? Like he's a third best player on a, on, on a top half, uh, on, a, on, on a contender in the East. He's yeah. a starter. I mean, if he, if he's if he's a top five shooter in the NBA, and at this point it's hard to top argue three. otherwise, right? I mean, I mean, but even let's just be conservative. If he's a top five shooter in the NBA, you spend a top ten pick on that, right? <laughs> like, I mean, right in the modern league, like, oh yeah, I mean, because, because it's not just it's not just what he's doing with the three points; it's how he's opening up the offense. Oh yeah, the gravity else. is is undeniable. I mean, like, there's a and lot. He's of really also good. talking a lot. Sorry, Lee. Oh, no, it's all good. I just was going to, you know, I'm looking at the list of players and, and Alex brought up Cam Johnson, but I mean, there's good players, Cam Reddish, Kobe White, Jackson Hayes. Like, do you think that he would necessarily go in front of them if, it, if, if, if there was a do-over? I don't know that he has more potential um, than those guys, but, um, but there's a case to be made for sure. Top 12. He hit Man. that contested three, and you could just see him. T- like, I think that's one of the underrated things about Duncan Robinson. Everyone thinks he's just this unassuming guy. And I've talked about it before. I've talked to this guy in the locker room, and you could tell this is a guy who came up in AAU. And he just has a, he has a swagger about him that people just do not recognize. Like, he hit that three, and I forget whose face it was. Like, it was a contested three completely just shot it right in his face and he and you could see his mouth moving he was talking shit the whole time like Mm -hmm. I I think people underestimate like just the fact that he seems quiet and seems like demure and like he's not a boisterous guy that guy is a a, a 100% killer on the court well he has the same mentality as Tyler he just doesn't show it right I I I don't it just comes out it comes out sometimes I think it just springs from him you know, on the court in those situations. But it's like, it's like he told me about his first interaction with Jimmy in an open run. And he, you know, Jimmy went under the screen and, and Duncan shot it in his face when he tried to recover. And Duncan said to him, don't ever do that again. Um, I mean, it's like, it's even the under, this very understated comment he made, you know, uh, it's a question this week about whether he would get his shooting touch back or how long it was taking. And he said, you know, shooters don't forget how to shoot. And then he, added well we have to do it in the context of the offense but yeah there's a cockiness there it doesn't it doesn't come across off the court so much but i think on the court I it does the, but i i bet but, opponents hate him i i bet opponents hate him oh i think he drives them crazy yeah no because, <laughs> because he, no because because you know what opponents don't like they don't like when they can't figure out why a guy is successful it drives them nuts <laughs> right and also and also you don't think it's like man everyone thinks he's such a nice guy but he's a dick like he <laughs> like he's been talking shit to me for 40 minutes and like everyone thinks he's the nicest guy in the world but he's just he has just been on my ass all night long. I'm telling you, I, I bet opponents can't stand him. No, and then I, not to mention that he runs you around screens all night long. 
I bet he's one of the most hated guys by opponents in the NBA. Well, the other thing, the other thing he's developed is this, uh, you know, not just the shot fake, but the one dribble, right? So the, it's, it, it, you know, it, it's not just he's going to shoot. It's not, okay, he's going to go for a shot. You close out on him and he doesn't have it and that's it. No, you close out on him. He's going to take the one dribble and he's shooting it anyway. Yeah, um, like Clay Thompson. Right. You know, he is. And, and I think that is, and, and again, sometimes we get in this space because we want to compare white guys to white guys. Um, you, you know, I, I, but the reality is Duncan Robinson resembles Clay Thompson more than he resembles from a playing standpoint, in my opinion, more than any other player in the league. Right. I mean, that is, isn't that the comp right now? I mean, that's like the apex comp. I think like, obviously I'm the heat homer of heat homers, but I, I feel like that, that that's a lofty one. I've always kind of thought Tyler hero. Um, from an offensive standpoint, had some of that stuff, but I guess he's more Devin Booker. So, I mean, I, I think that you're heading in the right direction. It's just um, the defensive stuff that Clay well, does. Well, yeah, 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 no, no, I'm not, I'm not comparing the defense. I'm talking about Duncan as an offensive player. I mean, Duncan as an offensive player uh, is Clay Thompson. All right, before we get to guts check and close this thing out, was there any other player that, I'll start with you, Alex, any other player that jumped out to you tonight in any way? I don't know if you guys already talked about him. I, I, I have a feeling you did while I was gone, but Andre Iguodala for sure, mm-hmm. because we were talking about him in the chat. And uh, I was really impressed by him. He, again, I wasn't really overreacting too much to him kind of looking a little bit shaky after the trade, because I just think he is such a perfect fit for everything this team does and on both sides of the floor. Again, the thing was always about Justice Winslow versus Andre Iguodala and Solomon Hill and Jay Crowder. But Andre Iguodala by himself in this game honestly really proved what he could do in the playoffs. And again, this was against the Sacramento Kings without De'Aaron Fox. First game back, it's a scrimmage game with no stakes. So let's not put too much on it. But at the same time, Iguodala showed what he could do. He could go out there. He's going to play defense for you. He's going to do some stuff for you on offense as far as, you know, kind of setting screens and doing dribble handoff stuff. He's very intuitive with with passing to cutters, with being a cutter himself. And on defense, he's all over the place. Him in the zone with another rangy wing, whether it's a Jimmy or a Crowder or a DJJ. I really like that look, whether he's at the top or the edges of the, of the zone. I think he's going to figure it out. I just think he's a really smart player on both ends. And even if he doesn't have that same athleticism and can't really dominate the ball anymore, he, he can do a little bit of everything. And I trust him. I think Spolster trusts him, and I think that's what we're going to see here. And that, that's another reason why I say that as they move forward, I think there may be a little bit more of a lean uh, on the vets. All right, Greg, why don't you finish this out with Wait, what about my surprise edition? player before I go? Wait a second, I thought you were gone. You just texted us <laughs> no, and said I, you had to I know, go. I know, but you said give us a surprise player. Oh, God, give me a surprise player, and then get the hell out of here. Solomon oh. Hill, because he actually played. All right, there you go. Thank you very much. Thanks for your nice contribution. jumper, so, huh? Appreciate He did swish a jumper. He did swish a three. Late. That form is... It's pretty pretty. I'm not going to lie. No, it's, it's, it's better than some other guys on the team. All right, Alf, get out of here. It's time for a guts check. I think everybody needs to get a grip. You got to stay together if you got the guts and you don't find the first door and run out of it. There are no obstacles. There's no obstacles. All there are are accusations and opinions. We have done this since 1995. We'll find out what we're made of here. If you got the guts. Guts, This is Guts Check with Greg Sylvander. Okay, so today was the first day NBA basketball was back and the Denver Nuggets played. And uh, a center by the name of Bol Bol, who was uh, initially drafted by the Miami Heat, 
had quite the game. 16 points, 10 rebounds, six blocks, I think is what it, it came down to. And, and he looked really good. And what happened was, is the subsequent reaction from uh, Heat fans um, across social media was, I can't believe the Miami Heat missed out on Bowl Bowl. I can't believe that they traded away that pick. Um, what an awful decision. It's been one scrimmage, mind you. Um, and I, I guess I just wanted to unpack that a little bit because I think that there's some misconceptions in terms of like what happened there. Um, the first thing I wanted to mention is that that pick was not being made by the Heat. That pick was already um, blessed to another franchise. So they were told who to pick. That, that's not a situation where they had him and then they had to think about whether they were going to trade him to somebody else. So let's get that fact straight right there. The second thing is um, – they frankly, they like KZ Akpala better than Bol Bol, way better, um, all the way to the point that um, on a lot of the uh, the things we heard about the Heat's big board, um, KZ Akpala was right behind Tyler Hero up there at the top. So like essentially, had Hero not been there and maybe a PJ Washington, you were going to see KZ Akpala get drafted in the lottery. Um, so I, I just think that ultimately they got the guys that they really wanted. And it's a little ironic that we're watching a undrafted player in Duncan Robinson become an absolute offensive game changer. And he's an undrafted free agent signing um, with Udonis Haslam, another undrafted free agent signing sitting at the end of the bench. Um, and, and then we're starting to question this. We question the hero pick, we question the BAM pick and all of these things are working out. So I think it's just another example of a moment when we should trust the organization and, uh, and, but ultimately, remember, the Heat never had Bull Bull to begin with. No, and I think that's true. And I think some of this comes, Greg, from like other players that the Heat took to package somewhere else that they were not planning on keeping. Like, remember Bogdanovich? That was another one. Yes. Um, I, I guess Beverly, wow. they were. Washpat letting Bogdanovich go. Unbelievable. <laughs> him right. and Bull Bull. How are they going to get past him? Riles here. How are they well, ever going to get past losing him and Bobo? Well, well, then there was the Beverly pick, right? But the, but the Beverly pick was actually for them, right? So that I'm trying to think. There were a couple others over the years where, you know, they ended up taking a guy that fans had heard of and they want to see. Look, I get it with the potential of Bobo. He's unique. Uh, people like unique players, high upside players. They think Akpala is unique. So I, I, I don't think it was an... I don't think it was a both. I think it was an either or. I That's understand. exactly the type of guy Heat fans always want the team to gamble on, too, by the way. A Casey yeah. Akpala, long, exactly. edgy wig. That's why they so wanted Seiko. Exactly. Like that's <laughs> exactly. This, right. It's the whole thing. He's like kind of the perfect um, heat, rangy length, um, you know, the wings that you kind of look for. So ultimately, that, that was their guy all along. Well, and, and it will be interesting to see what Denver does with him because – you know, where they have Jokic and I mean, they kind of had Jokic playing point guard tonight, today, uh, but Denver's got so many mismatched parts that, you know, but they're a really interesting team. He adds another dimension to them, but I, I just, I, I don't think we're going to see a ton of bull bull because Denver's trying to win a championship this year. Like they, they think they've got an outside chance. And I, so I don't think we're going to see a ton of bull bull once the playoffs start. I just don't. And, and so I think it'll go away. I'm with you, Leif. I think at this point, you know, we're out of the stage of Riley's missed picks and we're looking at the last three, four years of what they've done with developmental guys and then with the last two draft major draft picks that they've made. And I think they deserve the benefit of the doubt for now. I, I just think they do. And 
if Bol Bol becomes a major star and Casey Akpala becomes, you know, a guy who never develops into a core piece for them, then I think we'll look at it differently. But I'm, I'm with you. I also think part of it is, you know, the Denver was playing in what the first game <laughs> in four months. And like anybody who jumped off the screen there was going to get people excited. Yeah, they were going to get some buzz. Yeah. So they got some buzz. All right. Check us out on five reasonsports.com safe cubbies.com. As we mentioned earlier in this episode, um, we're in a new era these days. So make sure you check out that website because if you run a business, you want to make your place safe. The same goes, uh, for, uh, our other sponsor we want to thank, which is Biscayne Bay Brewing. I probably had too many of those tonight. We've done too much stuff tonight. Check out our stream on, on YouTube. Also check out uh, fivereasonsports.com. Brady Hawk has his five takeaways from the scrimmage, which were pretty similar to ours, but, but a couple of them are different. And we will be back with Floors Yours Thursday night at 8 o'clock. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.